Kingdom Ministries podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Our podcast is listener supported and we welcome your donations. Kingdom Ministries equips and empowers you to continue Jesus's ministry of the kingdom of God through resources like this podcast, as well as in-person training and online articles. To get started, visit us at kingdomtools.org. That every line in this prayer uh, makes no suggestion of a request. Every line in the Greek language is stated in what's called an aorist imperative tense, which means basically, may it be so. There is more to the Lord's Prayer than what meets the eyes, at least at first. In this series, Keith Martins teaches a Fresno church on the Lord's Prayer, sharing insights from its authoritative language, the picture it paints of God's will for His people, as well as how we can apply it to our daily lives. In part two of this series, Keith gives context to the Lord's Prayer and explains how prayer can be used to get God's way for His kingdom. I again just want to look directly at the the word here and uh, in the context it is, and you know it appears in Luke as well and um, in in a shorter form, but uh, let's start with Matthew here. Okay, all right, I'm there. Um, Matthew chapter 6. And, 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 you know, I think, again, always to look at the context here, and, and we start the section of prayer in 6, uh, in six 5. And uh, he's talking here about when you pray. In other words, the contrast between when we pray and how what Jesus calls hypocrites pray. And, again, it's not about the many words you use. It's not about... Uh, and, th- and there's a sense, I think, and you guys, I want you to think about this in regard to our worship. Um, I have no problem with repetition in worship. If you have a problem with it, you should just read the Psalms. There's a lot of repetition, especially that one Psalm. But maybe it's 139 or one of those, but it just says, and the, you know, bless, you know, the Lord's love endures forever. Some over and over, like after every line. I go, that's cool. So obviously, God doesn't have a problem with repetition. The problem is, 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 is the mentality that is a pagan mentality that if in some way, that we worship enough or we work it up enough that the presence of God is going to come as a result of our activity here, right? And that's a subtle kind of thing. I don't know if people would outright say that. I think there's a sense like, it's more like this. Because we're worshiping God, His presence is there and it's magnified among us. It's not like something you're working for, chanting like the pagans. Remember Elijah on, on Mount Carmel, right? Remember he's challenging them, he goes, yeah, do your little mojo. You know, they were chanting, they were cutting themselves, they were doing all this crazy activity, right? Because they were trying to work it up. And that's very much how it is in the occult, too, in the occult religions or in pagan practices, where it, it takes a lot of energy to stir things up. It involves, you know, ritual acts or cutting or chanting a lot. And so we don't want to have a sense of that, but more of acknowledging the God's presence and worship in that way. So we, we, he says, don't be like that and, and, and do some time and pray. You know, don't make your prayer life about uh, letting everybody know, you know, letting everybody know. Now, some here, I would imagine a good number because to my surprise over the years, it always surprised me. People that have been believers a long time, much of their life, they have a certain area of bondage in regard to praying aloud for one. And especially loud and in public, not in a group like this, but even in two or three or four people, sometimes and quite often with their husband or wife. 
And you have to ask yourself, well, why is that? Now, you may have some childhood experience or, you know, your parents scolded you at the table. Or, I mean, who knows? But a lot of times, whether it's that or not, the enemies use that. And I want you to think about it this way, if that applies to you. First, get some freedom. We pray to the root of that. You know, we can ask the Lord, what's the root of that? And resolve that. But have you ever thought about this way? Maybe there's a reason. Because not a reason like psychological, although that could be part of it. But maybe there's a reason that you keep getting hung up in that area because you're gifted in that area or God may want to use you or that somehow the enemy's afraid that you really get onto this prayer thing and you can verbalize things. That wouldn't be such a good thing. And there's a tremendous freedom. First of all, as a believer, you should know you have every right and should be free and you should pursue freedom in that area to pray aloud. Again, I would argue that you might find one prayer in the entire scriptures that was uttered silently. Probably one. The rest, obviously, we wouldn't know had they not been spoken out loud. Jesus looked up to heaven. He prayed aloud. So there's no record of anybody closing their eyes during prayer, yet it's probably primarily one of the positions that we do. Jesus stood up. He lifted his hands toward heaven. He prayed. You know, there's a whole lot of perceptions that we have about prayer that really aren't in the Bible. And so, again, it behooves us to study those and look and, and observe even the posture. What's the situation they're in when they're in these different postures? And to have the freedom to do that. So now he says, pray, pray some time in private. And, you know, not, not just that, oh, we don't want you to pray out loud or in public. It's more in contrast to that whole thing about praying in regard to, hey, I want people to know and I want to say a lot of words so people think I got it going on or you know, that whole thing. And so, but there is something very special about private, taking that really literal too. Just go into your closet. And, you know, that's a powerful thing. And some of you have closets or now like the war room thing. That's a great idea. And the thing, and I haven't even seen it yet, but I, I you know, I like the idea just from the clip I saw. I'd like to see it. But the thing I like about it is that they're using scriptures. They post those scriptures. And I, I got a buddy like that in his office. He's got scriptures hanging all over his bulletin board. You know, he turn around, he'll pray those and pray them out loud. And that's your most powerful tool. And so um, don't think you're going to be heard with your many words. Okay? But yet, other places says, pray and not give up. Keep on asking, right? But again, if you think in the context of pagan type of prayer or ritualistic type of prayer, even religious ritualistic prayer, that repetitiveness is part of their deal. So he's not talking about pursuing something in faith. He's talking about the contrast between a pagan kind of a prayer that somehow you're going to get enough brownie points stacked up or by your mere effort alone, by an act of works, that God's going to respond to you by how much you know, you're praying and how religious you are through this chanting that the pagans do like, Again, like Elijah on Mount Carmel, go ahead. I mean, you guys take all day, you know, whatever you got to do. And it started out with chanting, then it ended up with cutting and all these kind of things. And, and spirits respond to that kind of thing. And so he's setting up a contrast here between the kind of prayer. Then he stops and says, so, you know, with all that said, here's how I want you to pray, our Father in heaven. And, you know, you got to recognize you probably, this probably freaked people out because what? Not only is he calling his father, but he's using the same word, Aramaic word, that a little kid says to his daddy, his Abba. You know, he's like, that kind of a father. My, my daddy father, my, 
you know, my close father, not this. How about, O Lord, we beseech you, sovereign Lord, ruler of the heavens and the earth, created all things. You rule from your eternal throne. We come humbly before thee now. And that's appropriate because he is that, right? And there's a time for that too. But Jesus is saying here, look, I want you to pray this way. I want you to pray in a sense of someone that you know, that you're, and I don't want to give the idea, oh, he's just my buddy, so everything's cool. No, he's not your buddy. He's still your Lord, but he's a father. Your father shouldn't be your buddy either. You know, you can ask my, these therapists here about that, that that's probably not a good thing either, you know, where you, you're still the parent, you know, and, and you're, in this case, he's father. And so he's praying, hallowed be your name, or literally, and again, one of the things I want you now to capture from the prayer is not just these little specific things, some of these things you already know and are familiar with, but let's just back up a little bit. Let's just widen the, the lens on this and the look at the whole thing and just make this statement about it, okay? This statement is, the, is this, that I think this is the difference that you may not know or have heard or, or, or may not be practicing yet, that every line in this prayer uh, makes no suggestion of a request. Every line in the Greek language is stated in what's called an, an aorist imperative tense, which means basically, may it be so. It's supposed to like... Um, will you please get me some bread, Pharaoh? Will you please get me some bread to eat? I'd like something to eat. Would you please get me that? It's not like that. It's more like, give me some bread. Not in the sense of a command, though. Okay? It's more like, sure, give me some bread. It's like, yeah, I kind of expect it. Yeah. You know, or you're sitting at the table and, you know, the bread's being served and it's kind of like, uh, give me some bread. You know, like that. Or pass the bread. You know, it's, it's, it's already there, the idea that it's there, but now, and I think this is a good word, appropriating what's already been promised to you. Appropriating. And that's where we get the word claim, okay? When Jesus says later, he says, whenever you come together, two or more of you come together and agree on anything you ask in my name. Now, in the Greek language, it reads like this. When you come together to make a claim on anything you ask, you will have what you ask when you ask in my name. In other words, the things that God wants, things that God's promised, things he's willed, the things that represent his nature, his purpose, and the kingdom says, if you come together and make a claim on that, then you will have what you ask because that's what God wants. And again, with the lens backed up, not only is it in this kind of heiress language, but it's also about the center of this prayer is about getting God's way. And you always start with that. I look at the situation at work or in my home or my family or with my kids or where it is in the world or a country or whatever God leads us to pray about. Hmm. Now, according to God's word, is this how things should be going in my life, in my marriage, in their life, in my church, whatever? Okay, is this, that's the essence or a real simple or vernacular way of saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, have your way. So now, obviously, this makes no sense to me about people that, I, I just, I don't even want to go there, but if Jesus taught us to pray for God to have his way or his kingdom to come, if it was already established and he was getting his way all the time, then why would Jesus to teach us to pray thy kingdom come? Why would he just leave sick people alone if that's the way it was, if we weren't supposed to use that same aorist tense and say be healed in the name of Jesus? All those things. Otherwise, he wouldn't have stopped the storm. We go, oh, yeah, let's just, you know, whatever. Case of Rasa God's in control. We just trust him. 
whatever, it's all good, we don't have to do anything, you guys calm down, you're too freaked out, you know, it's going to be okay, guys, you know, but no, be still, right, because it was throwing them off course, it was threatening them, and so, and because number one reason he did that is goes, look, God's way is, I said, let's go to the other side, I'm do only what the Father tells me to do, Jesus says. I only say what he's commanded me to say. And if I said back there, let's go to the other side, that in red there, let's go to the other side. Jesus says it. It's absolutely the will of God, and he intends that decree or that command or that intention to be fulfilled. So if you're going across, whether it's a, a lake or you're trying to enter a country or a sea or you're, you see something in your life that there's a barrier to getting where you know that God has promised where you want it to be. Matters of righteousness, for example, where you keep getting hang up on the same thing at a personal level, let's say, an area of sin, forgive us our sins, but you keep confessing the same sin over and over again. Well, now, you know, okay, yeah, you're forgiven every time, but doesn't he want you to be free? It is for freedom that Christ came to set us free. So now I speak to that. The barrier to my freedom, number one, I expose what it is because you might not even know what the barrier is, right? We expose the barrier in Jesus' name. Now, the next thing you might go, you might need others in the body of Christ where everybody messes up, right? Or, or like, no, nah, I don't want to share with anybody, but confess your sins to each other or whatever to each other, share your life with each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. So you might be missing that part. Thank you for listening to the Kingdom Ministries podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode on the Lord's Prayer. Did you know we have an app? You can access all of our resources and even listen to this podcast all in one place. To download, please visit us at kingdomtools.org.